You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Welcome back to Thrive. Have you been feeling overwhelmed, overloaded, stressed AF? (laughs) You're in the right place. Lily Allen Duenas is an international yoga teacher, meditation guide, and holistic health and wellness coach. She is especially fabulous at helping overwhelmed folks like you and like me reduce emotional overload and find balance, breath, and space for self-care. Bless up. Today on Thrive, Lily breaks down breath work and how and why it works scientifically. We talk about stopping the downward spirals in their tracks and pressing pause in our digitally charged, perpetually stimulated world to regain peace, calm, and center in our beings and bodies. Lily also leads us through an awesome mindful meditation during this episode, so you will leave feeling so much better and lighter than when you came. Stay tuned through this episode. Drop it five stars if you like what you're listening to. And now, welcome, Lily. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Erica. Yeah, welcome to Thrive. I'm super happy you're joining us today because at this point in the year when this episode is going live, I think it's about when all of the New Year sparkle has probably worn off and we maybe have to press pause and regroup a little bit. Uh, Maybe folks are feeling a little bit overwhelmed or overloaded and are really just looking for a hot second of calm. So I think this will be an enriching conversation for everybody, but let's kick things off by introducing yourself and tell everyone who you are and what you do. Thanks, Erica. Yeah, the New Year's sparkle maybe is starting to fade a little, but I think we all are ready uh, for a breath of fresh air and a new year. So I hope everyone feels that relief and that gratitude and that they have things to look forward to. So my name is Lily Allen Duenas, and I am the founder of the Wild Yoga Tribe. I'm an international yoga and meditation teacher. I was born and raised in California, but now I'm, uh, I am located in France. <laughs> so um, I do a lot of things, of course, online. It's the age of the pandemic, but it's also just I'm out of the country. So I yeah, have been teaching internationally for about three years, and I lead Uh, five times a week yoga classes virtually and I do courses and vegan nutrition counseling and various other things but that's just I guess a little bit of me in a nutshell (laughs) yeah how did you first get into all of it because I feel like that's such a lifestyle shift for so many people so is it something that you were kind of always into or little by little got into or how did that come about for you yeah. Oh, that's a good question. I think that it, I, I guess you could trace it all the way back to kind of the beginning. Um, when I was little, about 10 years old, um, I just became really kind of interested in meditation. It wasn't something my parents were into or anything. I didn't have exposure to it, but uh, there was a YMCA summer camp and they had a, a week long meditation course and I was just 10 or 11 and I was like, sure. I'll go. (laughs) So I popped into that and I found that so amazing. Every day for five days, we practiced different techniques um, in the practice of meditation. And I just found it really 
uh, something I connected to. And then when I was about 16, uh, a gym in my city started offering yoga classes. And one of my friends said, oh, hey, do you want to go? And I said, oh, why not? We, of course, made that silly joke that yoga sounded like yogurt. Like, we really had no clue what it meant. Truly, Erica, we were like, no clue what yoga is, just that it was going to be at a gym and it was something new. And so we went and I can still so vividly picture that room, picture the teacher, picture even where my yoga yoga mat was located in the room itself. I felt just so at peace and so still in my mind. I felt like I've always had a very busy mind. And I just was one of the first times I can remember feeling that whoosh of like everything kind of disappearing or fading and just centering um, in my own being and body. It was really transformative. Yeah, that's awesome. So you mentioned different types of meditation. So now I'm curious because I did not know there were multiple types here. So what are different types of meditation? And is it, I guess, give people kind of the lowdown of what it is or the different kinds that you do, because I'm sure there's people listening who just think it's like going like, ohm for like 15 minutes. (laughs) So tell, give us like, shed some light on what it actually is and what the benefits of it for people to include in your, in your routine. Absolutely. So there's definitely different types of meditation, like visualization, where you can have imagery that you're either yourself, you're coming up with this internal story and you're following with your imagination, kind of a visualization. And it can be very complex or it can be guided, of course, externally versus internally. It can be very complex. You know, you're picturing walking down a path and then you're envisioning all the connections you've had throughout the day as ribbons and then you're cutting the ribbons and you're slowly releasing every tension and worry and then you're, you know, progressing to a meadow. Like it can be huge stories or the visualization can be as simple as um, envisioning in your mind um, will say a word and that you just are inhaling and exhaling and into this word, all of your tension and stress and worries, you're sending it in. And, and so there's different visualizations. Also mantra meditation, there's which is candle use meditation. Um, there's chakra meditation, and there's also the two kind of standard uh, meditation, Vipassana and uh, Samatha. So these are going to be centered around um, knowing yourself, uh, the way the mental habits and patterns of your mind. It's a, it's a state of observance, being very observant of your mind, and also having one focal point. You want to have one thing to focus on, and that's most traditionally the breath. So that's the breath meditation is, I think, probably what most of your listeners are most familiar with, um, doing uh you know, being very mindful of your inhales and exhales, really paying attention very, very closely to all the tiny, tiny details of the breath. Does it feel shallow, deep? Does your nostrils feel warm or cold on the inhale or the exhale? Just the tiny details of it that you can kind of get more lost in when you're paying that close of attention. If you're just kind of going inhale, exhale it can get so boring (laughs) you know you can just totally let your mind wander and wander and which of course is a part of meditation as well as um, developing that muscle 
of bringing your mind back, uh, back to the breath, back to the object of focus. Because it, it, it's like a dog that's never, ever been trained. It just is happy to go do its own thing. It's like, oh, I like this. I don't have to sit. I don't have to stay. I don't, I'm going to go all the place. But we're slowly after, we'll say, 30 years of our life, when we have this untrained animal, we're saying, ah, uh-uh, now I'm going to start to try to train you. And it's going to take so much time. It's not going to happen overnight. But of but there are scientific benefits that are clearly point to, you know, there are concrete benefits after as short as eight weeks of meditating for as little as five minutes a day. So there's immediate benefits, but the it's really, is a, it's about the marathon, not the sprint. Mm-hmm. For sure. So talk to us more about breath work because this, I think is going to be probably newer for people. And like you said, there's so much to it beyond just inhale, exhale. And obviously it's a big part of mindfulness, meditation, whatever. So uh, give us kind of some of the science, if you would, of like why that is, and maybe like beginner breath work 101 kind of rundown, um, for becoming more aware of it and in control of it to that nitty gritty detail, like you just mentioned, so that we can use it intentionally when we're feeling stressed out or overwhelmed and kind of walk us through that sort of intro. All right, here's how you take control of your breath and use it to your advantage. Yeah. So there's amazing scientific benefits about the breath and why we specifically will use that. Um, it's an amazing way to activate our parasympathetic nervous system. Um, I, I know that uh, hopefully that's a familiar term maybe for your listeners that um, stress affects all systems of our entire body. It's not just about maybe you know it affects your nervous system or your endocrine or your cardiovascular, but it, it goes way into your GI tract and your musculoskeletal and respiratory like everything is affected and so our sympathetic nervous systems are is all about um you know being active sympathetic focused awake active alert it's when you're thinking you're working you're doing and parasympathetic is when we're able to do some of those housekeeping activities like our digestive system our immune functions and we can actually um do memory consolidation during that time as well. So the problem is in our lives now, um, we're supposed to naturally swing in between parasympathetic and sympathetic. One's not wrong, one that's not bad. It's, it's supposed to be an ebb and a flow between thinking and working and resting and digesting. But now, given the pace of our lives and also just um, <laughs> the pace of the stimulus that we're faced with, cars honking, dogs barking, our cell phones, beeping, like there's so many uh, much to activate the sympathetic to keep us alert. And if we're get stuck in one of those, um, with, it can even just be because of our mind, it doesn't have to be external stimulus. Even, um, if we get stuck in that sympathetic, um, we really are going to be degenerating a lot of those parts of our bodies. We're not meant to have this IV drip of adrenaline constantly pulsing through our blood. It's equivalent, science says, to about three cups of coffee, like on a constant drip into our blood flow every day. It's IV drip. And so that's why we're all starting to feel perhaps chronically anxious shaky, um, like your mind won't stop moving or in insomnia, it's hard to get to sleep. This is all linked to the overactivation of our stress response, which is that, that sympathetic. And so 
I can go on and on, Erica, like we can revisit, but I'll, I'll just <laughs> stop with my science there because I get so into the inflammation and what it actually even does for our glucose, fats, and proteins in our body. I mean, there's so much that says that we need to kind of work to get more back into parasympathetic because of this overstimulation. Of course, that's not across the board if someone is suffering from depression and lethargy and adrenal fatigue. Um, this wouldn't, of course, address every human being out there in the West, but um, specifically in a yoga class or in a meditation class, in a breathwork class, it's with using deep breathing, especially with the emphasis on the exhale, uh, where we can really activate the parasympathetic because it's very tiny, but on each exhale, the heartbeat actually slows down just tiny fractionally. And on each inhale, it just speeds up a tiny, tiny bit as well. So that repetitive movement, that calm sound uh, paired with hopefully maybe silence or peaceful music as well, it helps you to really feel physically safe and to be aware of kind of what comes in through your senses and helps your body to know like I'm safe. It's like the rocking of a baby in a way too, where we're being lulled into our own parasympathetic nervous system with um, breath work, also called pranayama. So pranayama is, is the actual like yogic word for breath work. It, it means um, it's like an expansion of our life force, a control of our energy. So prana, can, people can think of it like oxygen, but it's, it's more than that. There's, there's more to pranayama. And there's a lot of different breath work techniques like bastrika breathing, kumbhaka, um, there's Nadi Shodana, Brahmari, Bastrika, there's a ton of different breathings. But um, if your listeners are really wanting to get into the breath uh, and really feel it, I think the best way is in silence and is also when you're, you're seated in a chair, on the mat, on your bed. Um, I think it's best to be sit sitting up, but if that's not comfortable, lying down with your hands on your stomach works as well. And I do like in the beginning to put my hands on my stomach and really feel the balloon-like expansion. In our culture, we don't always love to feel our bellies getting bigger. It can, it can trigger some, think, some thoughts. So it can feel so nourishing to allow ourselves to really investigate that, that movement in the belly. It's, it's a much better center to be breathing into than the, the chest. If you're breathing into your chest and that's what's really moving up and down, you can um, acknowledge that and then invite that to go lower into the belly because if you're only breathing in your chest, your breath is not reaching the full expanse, um, expansiveness it needs to in the diaphragm. So I think it's amazing to, um, to just breathe and feel it with physically with your hands, see it in your um, traveling down, like see what's expanding, see what's collapsing, and just observe your body's reaction to the breath. You don't have to force it to be faster or force it to be slower. I would just invite it to go more into the belly. <laughs> That's awesome. So and I, I think you mentioned a couple of things too, like chronic, like when it becomes chronic, chronic stress, chronic fatigue, um, just from that constant overstimulation that we have, which is so true. And I think sometimes it can be kind of alarming for people because that's 
sense, that sensation or the overwhelm that might come with it can kind of happen a bit suddenly. I think like we're cruising along and feeling okay, or we think we feel okay, but then all of a sudden it's like, wham, bam, overwhelmed, hits us like a wall when it's just, when our bodies just can't take it anymore, what we thought we could. So how do you recommend kind of stopping that spiral when we become aware of how overwhelmed we actually are or how fatigued or burnt out we really are and we become consciously aware of that? Yeah. Oh, that is such a good question. And I love that you're shining a light on that because it is so overwhelming and it can just feel like you get sucked into a spiral and it can feel so hard to get out of it. Um, I read a book recently called Unwinding Anxiety, and I can't remember who the author is. Um, I'm just, uh, Judson uh, A. Brewer, Unwinding Anxiety, New Science Shows How to Break the Cycles of Worry and Fear to Heal Your Mind by Judson Brewer. I recently read that book, and I really appreciated how he is a medical doctor and a meditator. <laughs> He's been meditating <laughs> for years to deal with his um his anxiety, and he has also uh, developed an app that helped smokers, initially it was smokers, deal with uh, quitting smoking when nothing else has worked, and then it was to help doctors deal with their burnout and to deal with their burnout and their fatigue and their anxieties and stresses, and then he's um, developed it for the public. So I think when you're feeling like you are just spiraling down, the most amazing thing you can do is one realize it's happening <laughs> just by naming it and going oh i notice right now i'm in a shame spiral i'm in an anxiety attack i'm in you know what are you currently experiencing and then also naming what's happening in your body come coming back out of the mind <laughs> that lovely tiny brand new prefrontal cortex that is not ready to manage everything and go back into the body and say okay is my stomach in a knot? Is it twisting? Is it hot? Is, is, do I feel nauseous? Do I feel clenching? Do I feel burning and then in your hands? How are you reacting to it? And then I find you, it can be really, really cathartic for me to, to clench my hands into fists and then release the fists on an exhale. Clench on an inhale, release on an exhale. I can find that just that kind of re repetition of training my my own body to just release can help kind of break the cycle. It's also a distraction, which as I'm sure your listeners know, if we're in a spiral, we will usually reach for our phones or Netflix or, or something, a, a cupcake to distract ourselves, but not running away and not escaping. That's really how you're going to break that cycle. And then once you look closer and closer, at the anxiety or at the shame or at the worry, the stress, whatever's coming um, up that's flooding you, really pay attention to how it feels on an emotional level too. Like you know it feels overwhelming, but does it feel good in a way? Like do you rely on this like daily attack to like feel like you're somehow punishing yourself for something mm. or you're somehow... Um, you know, you're, you're creating a cycle for, for, for something to perpetuate. It's this neural pathway that we've driven down. And if you're doing something over and over again, there's a flavor to it. There's a taste to it. There's, there's something more to it that you really have to look so closely to say, well, why am I doing this? 
Why? Or, or it's not conscious. It feels not conscious, but it keeps coming up. So what it, how is it serving me? What is it trying to say? What is the lesson? Because for me, I think with spirals and that overwhelm, that flood, it was in acknowledging, nope, if I have this, this doesn't actually mean that I'm preventing more, more pain or discomfort or a disaster. I'm not preventing a disaster with my worry spiral, which I kind of used to think, okay, if I just freak out and I, my mind goes crazy, then I'm sure I'll, I'll figure something out that'll prevent X from happening. But I, I really had to discover this is really not pleasant. It doesn't have a good outcome. It doesn't actually um, feel good. And, and all of these just small, silly, tiny little realizations can add up to you realizing, mm, okay, and then you can taste it, taste it when it starts to happen, go, mm, this isn't fun. Can I not do this? You know, can I, and it's, it's not about willpower and strength. And it's just about paying attention, getting close to it, staring it in the face from one inch away and just getting to know it. I think that's my best yeah. advice. That's so good. And so glad you brought that up too, because A, it's it's really freaking hard because I think it requires a lot of vulnerability with yourself because you have to be really real and be willing to confront what, like you said, like, what is that actually fueling? And I have a couple people that come to mind right off the top of my head where I saw them doing something similar and tried to have that conversation and it did not go too well, but it brought to light what they were kind of holding on to because it was something where it was like, like you said, jumping to that perpetual spiral, getting to a certain state and then just refusing to see that there could be a different way or refusing to acknowledge how it was actually more harmful than good. Like, and one person off the top of my head, I think she was convinced that um, allowing people to cross boundaries in her life and almost like take advantage of her kindness was confirming that she was the kind of person who would do anything for anyone and a good friend. And I was like, you realize how that's actually not true, right? Like you don't have letting people take advantage of you does not equate to I'm a good friend, but that was kind of like the harmful connection that I tried to share with her was like, listen, that's not the healthiest thing for you or the relationships in your life. But it really takes a lot of like introspection to be willing to go, okay, wait a minute. Like, why am I doing this? And like, why does it, why am I refusing to like nip it in the bud and grab it by the horns and try to change it when I know that it's not making me feel good in a healthy way? It's making me feel something that's like a negative feeling, but am I actually kind of like, like you said, am I kind of like into the negative feeling in some way? Is it fueling something kind of sick? Uh, that's, and that's, I think, really hard for people to kind of be honest with themselves with, but like, man, that is, I think that's a really important stage of people just personally healing, like whatever, whatever you have going on for whatever reason. Oh, yeah. Oh, totally. And I love how Liz Gilbert says it. She says the universe is more than happy to send you back to kindergarten. <laughs> like, <laughs> If you're not learning the lessons, it will just send you right back there. Because that's also something I think I've learned is that in if we're repeating things over and over again, or a situations like maybe we're with a in a destructive mental self talk habit or maybe we're with an abusive partner it's like if we keep repeating after we 
try to just get out of it and go back to the same type of habits again, the universe is more than happy to teach us our lessons. We need to be um, looking as closely as possible and really naming things, paying attention to things, being present with things, not escaping things. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. And it is so darn uncomfortable. I offer all the love and all the compassion to all of the listeners out there because it is not easy and I am not perfect. And I can be a hypocrite with some of these words too, because what I say, I need to learn the most as well. I promise. (laughs) For sure. For sure. Uh, what are some of your favorite ways to catch a break in the moment in like, especially busy seasons? Because I think that's something a lot of us struggle with and can relate to because being in this constant state of Zen or spending hours on a self-care practice, I mean, that cannot just feel impossible to people, but it might actually be impossible given the realities of real life. So do you have any personal favorite ways to kind of make it happen in a very short period of time. If someone is thinking, gosh, this all sounds great, but like, I don't have time to, you know, go to yoga five times a week or be meditating for an hour or like whatever the case might, whatever the case and excuse might be. Whatever the case and excuse might be. I like that. Uh, (laughs) I do think that having um, multiple tools in the tool belt is so important and having those different lengths of time. Uh, of course, there's times and seasons and phases where we are so busy or we're, or we're not, you know, the, the ebbs and flows, hopefully for everyone, hopefully it's not that go, 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 work, 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 run, 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 fast, 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 you know, 24, seven, 365, because that is so fatiguing. I hope everyone can cultivate a little space, but I would say having practices that are one minute, five minutes, 15, 30 in an hour are awesome. If if you can work them in whenever it feels appropriate. I I love the practice of the bell, the bell practice. I love it. Um, There's an app by Titnat Han. Um, He is a Vietnamese monk who actually lives here in France. He's, um, he's been on Oprah. He's, he's very well known. If hopefully your listeners might have heard of it, Titnat Han, but he has an app called Plum Village. It's for free. And you can set on this app a little bell to ding, um, maybe every 30 minutes, maybe once an hour. And it's a very nice little uh, singing bowl gong, very pleasant. And it just gives you an opportunity when you hear this bell to close your eyes and take three big, deep breaths. It's similar to the Apple Watch with the little breathe reminders. It's very similar, but I really appreciate having this bell programs. For me, it's between 11 a.m., 5 p.m., once an hour and it just I close my eyes I take these three deep breaths and it's just a reminder to me to come back to my body and to also if I'm lost in you know my stress and in my you know I'm just jamming away at um, something on the computer it can feel so good to have that breath and that break for just three breaths that you also can put little um sticky notes or little things around your apartment or in your car where anytime you see like a pink dot, you know, if you have those little dots, you just say a mantra like may I, you know, I am strong, confident, happy. My life is flexible, fluid, and free. You know, have a sankalpa, have a mantra, have something that is an intention that you're trying to 
to manifest and to be present with in your life and that use these little sticky dots as reminders. And then there's a wonderful guided meditations that are about five minutes long. I also offer them on Insight Timer. It's totally free um, to join me on Insight Timer for a free meditation. I do some five minute ones, 10, 15. I think those are great to just you know, you need it. Maybe you do it always before lunch, you know, instead of immediately grabbing your Tupperware out of the fridge, you just sit down on the couch, turn on the app for five minutes. That's all you need. Um, I also acknowledge that an hour long yoga class for some of us, it just feels impossible because of one attention span to, um, the, you know, physical discomfort, three to-do lists, four kids, five, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's just, there's so many things that challenge us to take out a full hour. And I don't think anyone thinks needs to think of an hour as a golden standard for yoga. It's not the gold star, golden standard. It is not the expectation. Finding time to do yoga, whether it's you just sit down on your mat for five minutes and do butterfly pose, one pose, five minutes, that's beautiful. But I do teach some 15 minute long yoga classes in the morning um, as well that I think are just a really sweet spot just to try to open up your body when you wake up lubricate all of your joints, you know, really make sure your body is stretching and protecting itself um, to get you ready for your day. Because we don't have a lot of motion unless you have young children in your day where you're really twisting and you're really getting your lumbar to open and um, or to, you know, flex and and move. And so I think it's it's really vital, just 15 minutes to, to protect your spine and your joints. So these are just some of my favorite little practices to do. And also um, invite your listeners, of course, to join me anywhere for any amount of time they're able. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So since you mentioned it and you do lead so many wonderful meditations, no pressure, but can you lead our listeners in a meditation right now just to kind of set everybody up for a great rest of the day whenever they're tuning in and joining us? Absolutely. So if your listeners are able to, um, if you could stop where you're stop where you are, if you're cleaning the kitchen, if you are, um, if you're driving, maybe pull over <laughs> if you're able to. But I, I would love for uh, anyone who's listening to just sit down. It doesn't have to be on the floor. It can be on the couch, on a chair, the bed, and close your eyes. And I'd love for you to just gently focus on your belly. And as you inhale, feel your belly expand. Feel the air slowly traveling up on the inhale, up the belly, up the chest, up to the throat. And as you exhale out your nose, feel your body start to sink. Feel your body start to release and contract and grow a little smaller. And as you inhale again, slowly feeling everything rise up. Feel your chest expand, feel your shoulders, maybe they rise, maybe they go back down your spine. And as you exhale again, feel what you're letting go. Feel everything dropping and getting closer to the ground, closer to earth. And now on this inhale, as you feel your body slowly, slowly rising up, 
See if you can notice the moment where your breath turns to the exhale. Can you feel that tiny fraction of a moment when there's no inhale and no exhale? Can you notice that? Try again on the next breath as you inhale, feeling the rising, and then notice the point where it switches, where it transforms from one to the other. And then as you exhale or inhale, wherever you are, just slowly feel everything melting and getting softer and heavier. Now on this inhale, I invite you to inhale lightness and brightness and clear, warm, golden or white energy into your body, feeling everything just become bright and light. And as you exhale, picture yourself releasing darkness, smoke or fog from your nostrils. Picture it coming out like a dragon's breath releasing all tension and negativity. Two more times, we're gonna inhale big white golden light, big bright breath. And then the exhale, the dragon's breath, the big exhale of negativity and darkness, pain, suffering, we're just letting it go, melting closer to the ground. And the last time, big inhale, lightness, brightness, joy, feeling like we could lift off the ground. We're so light. And on the exhale, again, exhaling anything that you personally feel you need to let go of. This is the moment to let it go. Now slowly, 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 just connect your hands together wherever they are on your lap. Just make sure they connect hand to hand. Express a little gratitude for taking a moment out of your day today to be present with yourself, to be at home in your body, and to move closer to peace. And gently open your eyes, looking out just a little bit in front of you and slowly come back to the room and back to your day. Thank you so much for joining me for a little meditation. I hope you feel lighter and brighter <laughs> and yes. ready for your day. Thank you. And on that note, what does thrive mean to you? Because I'm sure we all feel like we are closer to thriving now. <laughs> How do you strive to thrive in your everyday life? Mm, thriving for me is being authentic, being true to yourself, being true to who you really are and not to all of those dark, you know, things that move inside of us and kind of cl the clouds, right? The cloud over our sun. We're, we're always, always, the sun's always there. We always have the sun inside of us. It's bright light, but these clouds pass over us and through us and through our minds and our energy levels and our chakras and everything. And I think Thriving is just cleaning and clearing some of that cloudiness away from our spirit, soul, and energy. Yeah. So where can people find you online to connect with you more? 
you're welcome to find me anywhere you are. Hopefully I'm there at Wild Yoga Tribe, my website, wildyogatribe.com. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, everywhere at Wild Yoga Tribe. I also have a podcast as well where I interview yoga teachers from around the world each week, and that's called Wild Yoga Tribe. <laughs> so hopefully um, not too hard to reach, and I would love to hear from you or if you would like to join me for a class or um, yeah, join me on Insight Timer, YouTube, or I actually teach classes on Moxie. So let me know and I would be happy to connect. Wait, before you go, make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. Drop five stars on your way out if you like what you just listened to. And come join the party on Instagram at thrive.podcast to stay inspired and thriving all week long. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.